In 2015, a 23-year-old woman named Ada boarded a plane in Canada with her boyfriend for a long trip to Tokyo. In the middle of the flight, Ada's stomach started feeling upset. Of course, that's not unexpected. Like many of us with airline food, she probably started asking herself, did I have the chicken or the fish? The pain kept growing though, accompanied by more pressure. And eventually she looked down and noticed something was starting to come out of her body. This was no upset stomach. She was having a baby on an airplane and she didn't even know she was pregnant. Now, I've witnessed several childbirths at this point and it played a really important role. Fetching ice chips from the maternity break room, saying things to my wife like, breathe just like this. See, real hard work on my part. These pregnancies had months of preparation and took place in a sterile hospital room with nurses and machines and pain medicine. Ada's pregnancy took place where there's hardly enough leg room for a small child and flight attendants bang your elbows with drink carts. Needless to say, this was unexpected. Thankfully, there were several doctors on the flight and at some point while over Russia, Ada and her boyfriend became parents of a healthy child while on an airplane. They landed in Tokyo to the shock of their family, let them know that they were now grandparents. Now, this is a, an extreme example, obviously, but a quick Google search will find numerous women that didn't even know they were pregnant and unexpectedly gave birth to a baby. So, warning to you women, when you reach for that bottle of Tums because what you think are some spicy tacos, you might just be giving birth. Now, beyond this, almost half of all pregnancies are unexpected. Many of us come to this earth unexpectedly. Beyond pregnancies, how many people have had an unexpected job loss? I have. Uh, I got fired on Christmas Eve once with no warning. <laughs> I'm not bitter, though. Many of us listening will have had an un unexpected breakup or divorce. Things seem to be going one way and the other person drops a bomb. Most of us at some point will have, will have someone we love unexpectedly become sick or pass away. Life is unexpected. From the moment we're born to the moment we die, and in between these two unexpected moments, life is filled with things we didn't ask for and we did not expect. The way we handle our expectations shapes our entire life. Of course, the biggest example of this and why we're even doing this series is 2020. None of us expected to be online teachers while being online workers. Uh, just this week, there were workers in our house fixing our heater. And so my daughter and my wife were doing first grade in the garage on the iPad while I was watching the other kids outside while trying to write this sermon. So if you don't like it, that's my excuse. None of us expected to not meet in person at church for almost a year or have collections of designer masks and boutique hand sanitizers. I didn't expect to be giving sermons to a video camera for 10 months and now in my house. Expectations and how we respond to them when they're not met is the secret key to a flourishing, thriving life. The unexpected moments can break us or they can shape us. We can allow them to make us cynical and bitter, or we can allow them to help us become resilient and strong.
So, how do we respond to unexpected twists and turns of life? Let's look at an ancient story of a man who faced numerous unexpected circumstances and became stronger in the process. Let's look at the story of Joseph. Now, the story starts when Joseph was 17 years old, living in Canaan with his 11 brothers. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now Joseph takes this dream and he rubs it into his brothers. The subtext here is maybe Joseph is a little spoiled or arrogant, or at the very least unaware that you shouldn't tell your brothers that God is going to have you rule over them one day. Now, any of you with older siblings will agree this deserved a sibling punishment. A little pounding, maybe take that robe and give him a wedgie of many colors. That would be expected. But what happens next is unexpected. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we'll see what become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And they drew Joseph up, up, lifted him out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. This escalated quickly. Let's teach him a lesson? Expected. Let's try to kill? Oh, wait. Instead, let's sell him into slavery? Unexpected. Joseph, Joseph's life instantly takes a t- twist that no one would have expected. And now we get to see how he responds. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused a all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So we get our first glimpse of Joseph's response. None of us could blame him if he spent years sulking and becoming bitter for the betrayal done to him. Or we could understand if he spent his time trying to get back to Canaan and get even with his brothers. These are standard human responses, but instead we see a different kind of response. Joseph uses this unexpected circumstance to grow and thrive. The Lord was with him as he worked hard and gained favor and became successful. So now his trajectory will be up and to the right, happily ever after, right? Let's continue. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused. But one day when uh, he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house uh, was there in the house, she caught him by the garment 
saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. She called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came to me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice and Joseph's master took him, put him into prison. So it happens again. This is not what Joseph expected. Not what he had been working for. And he did the right thing. He showed integrity and honor to both God and his master. You would expect to be rewarded for this honorable move. Instead, he's betrayed and he loses everything again. Now, how many of us have done the right things? Followed the script only to be rewarded with pain and disappointment. This is life, right? Immediately after he gets thrown into prison, we see this. But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, gave him favor in in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. It would have been completely understandable for Joseph to throw in the towel at this point. What do I have to do? I don't deserve this. But again, we see a different response. Joseph continues to lean into God, allowing him to grow him and give him influence. And after this, there are still several twists and turns. But Joseph continues to grow in wisdom and stature, and he eventually becomes the second in command of all of Egypt, saving the entire nation from famine. Now, this weird and winding story can teach a lot about what life is actually like, not what we trick ourselves into thinking it's like. See, through school and society and movies and our own self-deception, this is what we think life is supposed to be like. This is what we expect. We are born... We work hard and learn societal norms, so we gain success and popularity. This leads us to go to a great college where we'll meet a spouse and earn a degree, which will immediately land us a dream job. Then we'll have 2.5 kids, and these kids have amazing manners and always say yes sir and ma'am and laugh at all of our dad jokes. We crush our job, gain influence, we take the vacations, make the right investments, and retire in glory playing golf and enjoying grandkids. Now, let's overlay that with Joseph's trajectory. He has his dad's favor and a killer robe, and his brother sells him into slavery. He stays there for a while, and then he slowly earns favor, and he gets some privileges and promise. Then he's falsely accused of rape, lands in prison, and luckily not killed. He stays in prison for a long time, earns some favor, interprets a dream which causes a person's success, and this person promises to help Joseph, but forgets. So he stays in prison for more years, and then finally starts a slow trajectory that leads him to his position. I don't know about you, but Joseph's line feels way more realistic. Ups and downs, twists and turns. Much of my life doesn't turn out the way I expected. The problem with expectations is this. When we assume our life will be like the first trajectory, we get upset and bitter and disappointed when things aren't what we expect. 
They don't live up to our plan. But what if we learned from Joseph's life? What if we came to expect the twists and turns and allowed these moments to form us, make us stronger and more resilient? So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about changing how we respond to our expectations. Life doesn't give us what we asked for. The first thing we can learn from the story is to release our expectations. To let go of all the things we're expecting out of life. First, we release our past expectations. The things we had once hoped for. I grew up in Oklahoma, where high school football is a religion. Every Friday night, the town would gather at the Church of Pigskin. (laughs) There's always this group of older men, usually dressed in camo, who would reminisce about the good old days when they played. Back when football was played in the snow and kids were tough, if you broke a bone, you just pop it back in place, not miss a play. Inevitably, these conversations would turn into could-haves, should-haves, and if-onlys. If only the coach would have put me in, we would have won state. I should have played college ball. My life would look different. If only we could go back. This is how it should have happened. Now, we can judge these bearded camo men living in the past, but how many of us hold on and cling to past expectations? If only he would have given me that promotion, things would be different. If she would have acted differently, our marriage would be intact. How many if-onlys and could-haves are you holding on to? Joseph could have held on to his brother's betrayal. His life could have been spent in bitterness and anger, planning for revenge, how he could get back at them. But Joseph understood this truth. When you cling to past expectations, you are blinded to what God wants to do in the present. When you cling to past expectations, you're blinded to what God wants to do in the present. God is not done with you. He wants you to grow and transform. But we can't see what he's up to in the present if we're focused on the past. What could have been? If we want to grow and be used by God now and in the future, we have to let go of our past expectations. And then... We need to release our future expectations. And New Year's is the time for goals. This year, I'm going to read 50 books. I'm going to finally get abs. And then those abs are going to have their own abs. I'm going to Marie Kondo my closet, meditate every morning, save my money, go vegan, go viral on TikTok. Goals are great, of course. We need things to aim for and strive for. We want our lives to have a vision and purpose. But if we're not careful, our goals become expectations, and these expectations become idols. The pastor and author Tim Keller says this, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion and energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. 
So what expectations and goals are you putting your heart and imagination and investment into? Your plans for your kids, your career goals, your status, your well-being. When we cling to our future expectations, we're trusting our own plan instead of God's. Joseph's life didn't go as he would have expected, but God's plan was bigger than his small perspective. God used the twist and turns to bring Joseph to a vital place in God's story and plan. And holding on to our future expectations is really all about control, right? We want to control our future, control what happens to us. Unexpected moments cause stress and anxiety because they're a reminder that we can't plan and strategize our lives perfectly. Instead, we have to acknowledge that we are not in control. Someone else is. We have to release our future hopes and dreams and expectations and trust that maybe someone else has a bigger perspective. Someone else is planning things that we can't see or understand. So we let go of our own expectations. We surrender them to the one is actually in control. And once we release our own expectations, past and future, then we can embrace the unexpected. Uh, diamonds are fascinating to me. Uh, people say that diamonds are forever. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. If you are proposing soon, you probably will use a diamond ring. Uh, don't spend too much. I'll hook you up. I know a guy. He operates out of the Walmart parking lot. He's great. You'll love him. The most fascinating thing to me is how diamonds are formed. When cut, diamonds are pure and clear and breathtaking, but it takes incredible pressure and heat to form this beauty. Deep in the earth, in the upper mantle, carbon gets pressurized by temperatures of around 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. The pressure and the heat form the gem that is so valuable. It's the process of formation. Now, if I ask you, what are some of the hardest, most unexpected events you've experienced? You probably name things like a devastating breakup or a loss in the family or an unexpected sickness. But if I ask you, what are the moments that have caused you to grow and learn the most and rely on God? I'm guessing there would be similar moments, times of pain and loss. See, pressure and discomfort and tension, these are the moments when we grow the most. It's the process of formation. At the young age of 30, Joseph had risen to an incredible place of power and influence. He was wise beyond his years, using his wisdom to save the entire nation. Where was this wisdom formed? In the pit. In the prison. It was formed in his unexpected times with God. When his family came to Egypt in desperation, hungry and in despair, Joseph didn't react with vengeance or anger, but with grace and leadership. Saving his family, in turn, saving the nation of Israel and the tribe that would eventually give birth to the Messiah. Where was this grace and leadership and restraint formed? In times of betrayal and darkness. It was in the unexpected times that God formed Joseph into the person he wanted him to become. The Apostle Paul says, We rejoice in our sufferings 
knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. God uses suffering and pain and discomfort to form our character and build us into the kind of people that are resilient and strong and wise. But here's the catch. It depends on how we choose to respond to these circumstances. We can respond by engaging in the process of complaining and whining, putting the blame on other people, our parents, our boss, our friends, blaming our circumstances like 2020 or an airline or a political leader. Or we can respond by engaging in the process of transformation. We can expect the unexpected, embrace the unexpected, and respond by asking God, what are you forming in me? How are you shaping me? I'm open to how you want to mold me in this moment. Because here's the deal. The process you engage with determines the person you become. The process you choose to engage with determines the person you become. If you engage in a process of complaining, you will become a bitter and cynical person, quick to blame, slow to joy. If you engage in the process of transformation, you become a person of grit and resilience, not anxious, not worrying, but peaceful and calm in the face of circumstances beyond your control. And in time, we can learn what Joseph learned. When you least expect it, God is most present. Here's the truth about him. He is the God of the unexpected. Throughout the entire Bible, God does things in a way that none of us would expect. He promises Abraham and Sarah that they would birth a great tribe and nation through them, and then waits and waits and waits until they had practically given up. Then when Sarah was 90 years old, he says, now's the time for you to be pregnant. At 90, that's not expected. That's more unexpected than giving birth on a plane. When it's time to establish a, a mighty king to defeat Goliath and lead Israel with courage and heart out of eight brothers, God didn't choose the biggest or most experienced in war, but chose David, the youngest, who had experienced playing the harp, carrying cheese plates, and using a sling, slingshot. God uses unexpected people to stand up to the tyrant Xerxes, out-strategize him and save the Jewish people. God chose a queen who was only known for her beauty and meekness. It was Esther that showed heroic bravery, strategic brilliance. Nobody expected that. To declare the Messiah coming to save the world, God didn't choose a dignified orator, but a man who ate locusts and clothes made of camel hair. That's weird and unexpected. Very punk rock. And then this Messiah would not be born from a queen, but from a normal, humble woman named Mary, while she was still a virgin. Again, more unexpected than giving birth on a plane. And this king and Messiah wasn't born in a castle or with pomp and circumstance, but in a manger surrounded by dirt and animals. Nobody expected that. Everybody expected this Messiah to return Israel to power and a rule of strength and glory but this king chose a different path, one of humility and servanthood. That wasn't expected. And then just like that, it was all over. This Messiah was murdered. He showed that true power is in sacrifice. 
He laid down his life instead of starting wars. No one expected this to happen. Of course, next was the most unexpected thing of all. It was time to move on. The Jesus movement was over. When they least expected it, Jesus pulled the greatest twist and turn in history. He defied logic and nature, and he rose from the dead. The God of the unexpected. A revolution started of people that wanted to follow this man who takes things that are dead and makes them alive again. Who takes the unexpected moments and transforms them into beauty and meaning and new life. So, in those moments, when life shocks you and your plans fall apart, nothing is working the way it's supposed to, that, that is when God is most present. When you feel the heat and pressure of the trials of life, that is when God wants to form and birth something deep within you. When you say, I didn't ask for this, that's when you can look throughout Scripture and humanity, you can join the club. When you think that all is lost and you can't go on, God wants to bring resurrection to your life. May you let go of your own expectations, past and future, release control to the one who is in control. May you expect and embrace the unexpected, allowing God to form you into his image. And may you cling to this, that at every moment, God is with you. The God of the unexpected.